2: Podcast.
3: Hello, everyone, and welcome inside another edition of a Pack a Day podcast. It is Wednesday, February twentieth, and well, I don't know how many of you feel out there. Maybe you don't live in a place where there is a lot of snow, uh, but I personally am getting very sick of it. Uh, up here in northern Wisconsin. My name is Nick Schmitz. I'll be your host for the day and we are going to jump right into it. Joining me today are Maggie and Paul and guys we got a lot to talk about so we're going to get started right away. Lots of things to touch on today. Uh, Most notably the Packers have finally rounded out their coaching staff. They've filled all their positions now which is good news. We'll get to that in just a little bit but Also, guys, on Monday, as many of you know, Packers coaching staff was made available to the media, and Matt LaFleur spoke, Hackett spoke, Menenga's new special teams coordinator spoke. So we're going to go through and we're just going to kind of play some clips from that uh, media day, and we're just going to kind of talk about some things. So guys first thing I want to do, I want to play Matt LaFleur. He opened up talking about the coaching search. So I just got, I want you guys to take a listen to this and then just kind of give me your thoughts on what you think of LaFleur's comments on what they were looking for in their coaching staff. Take a listen to this.
4: It's a long and thorough process when we found all our assistant coaches, but the thing that we were looking for with these guys was first of all, just being excellent communicators passionate about the game of football, and above all, I would say just being high-character individuals. That's, that was what really is most important to me, because I think that's what you win. You win with people.
3: All right, so Maggie, so we'll start with you. What did you think of those comments about what he was looking for, the characteristics? Uh, what, do you, what do you make of that?
5: Well, I thought it was interesting um, when you look at the guys that he brought in. Uh, You know, he retained Pettin, who had that head coaching experience. And then he brought in Nathaniel Hackett, who didn't have any previous head coaching experience, but he made it sound like that wasn't necessarily a concern of his. And when you listen to all of the interviews, not just the coordinators, um, but all of the position coaches, there's a lot of energy that these guys are bringing in. And I mean, maybe if you saw me on my first day at a new job, I would also have, you know, positive energy, be more upbeat than in my regular nine to five, but these are guys that are ready to come in. Um, as LaFleur said, they're high character guys. They are really ambitious. And I think the consensus of everyone is that there's a lot that they can work with on this team. And the arrow is pointing straight up.
3: And Paul, Paul, what, what do you make of the qualities that he was looking for in, in his coaching search?
6: Um, I think he's been consistent in his first interview. You know, he talked about, high-quality character individuals, and he brought that up again and hit on that quite a bit. And also just LeFleur looked a lot more comfortable this time. I know he got ripped on a little bit for you know being nervous in his first interview, but he looked very comfortable up there. I really am happy that he kept Mike Patton, just given that young secondary that we have. I think keeping that same system in place will allow them to be more effective this year than if they had made um, another change. And then, like Maggie said, the, the excitement throughout the coaching staff, I love that. One of the most frustrating parts for me last year was the coaching staff, the team as a whole. They, there was no excitement or buzz. They were lethargic. And I just think the energy that they're all bringing, and especially Hackett, You know, he's just really um, exciting to watch. I'm, I'm really anticipating this upcoming season, seeing what they can do.
3: Yeah, you know, I I very much agree with that. I shared that same frustration last year. And, you know, sometimes that's a lot of what a team just needs is they just need that that high-profile energy. They need to, you know, be given a reason to be excited. And it could just be the fact that people are just excited to be in the building, that it's not Mm -hmm. just, you know, another, you know, 9-to-5, even though we all know that no NFL player or coach really does a 9-to-5 job. They're in it, you know way before the sun's up and go home probably after the sun is down but yeah I I really liked what he spoke about with with what he was looking for in his coaching staff and and Paul again I agree with you I think he looked a lot more comfortable sounded a lot more confident this time around which was really good to see so the next thing that you know everybody's wondering you know, Aaron Rodgers is the big name in Green Bay, and he has a new quarterback coach now, Luke Getzey. And it's interesting. I thought Lefleur's comments were really interesting on the the quarterback coach because he was asked if he thought it was important to find a guy that Rodgers was comfortable with. So I'm going to play what LaFleur said here quick, and then I want to make a quick comment, and then I want to get your guys' take. But here's LaFleur talking about the new quarterback coach, Luke Getze.
4: It didn't have to be a guy that necessarily worked with Aaron. Certainly, we're going to try to find the best quarterback coach out there. Some things that I really did like about Luke is the fact that he played quarterback in college. Certainly, I reached out not only to Aaron, but a couple other guys with him, you know, being in the building before just to find out what they thought of him as, as a man and as a coach. And, you know, everybody gave him a, you know, a thumbs up. So uh, he came in here. I thought he did a great job on the interview. And so he made to
3: me what I thought was a really interesting point that, you know, it didn't necessarily have to be somebody that, that Rogers knew, Uh, you know, sounds like he reached out to Rogers and Rogers gave him the thumbs up, but, you know, there was, when McCarthy let Alex Van Pelt go last year, at the beginning, you know, right before, well, as the off season was starting, you know, Aaron Rodgers was not happy at all about that, and he came out and he, you know, said that he was disappointed that he wasn't even consulted, and it sounds like that Lafleur, you know, kind of talked to him about it, but it was more he was looking. For what would be the best fit, and not necessarily whether this was somebody that Rogers knew worked with. Paul, do you? I want to, I want to start with you this time. Is that anything? Like, is that something that Lafleur should have done? Should Lafleur have taken Ro- Rogers' input, maybe to a further? And we don't know the extent to which Lafleur, you know, got Rogers' input. But I mean, is that important that he brings in somebody that Rogers know, or does it not matter? Like he said.
6: I think that it was good to get Rogers' opinion on it. I do think that that should be a small, a small piece of the decision-making process. Um, In the end, it's Lafleur's staff and who he thinks is going to be able to help Rogers implement his system and what in his offensive schemes that he's putting into place. So I think that it was good to get his input, but I don't think that that was. And Lafleur mentioned that wasn't the deciding factor. Um, But I do think that Rogers' connection with him is going to be helpful. And also Lafleur's background, Hackett's background—they both started with quarterbacks. So this is a between those three, and Lafleur said he plans to attend all quarterback meetings, or at least as many as he can. Um, they're really surrounding Rodgers with um, and giving him as much help at his disposal as he'll need. And
3: so Maggie, you know, we we I just mentioned that you know Rogers wasn't happy when they let Van Pelt go. So what is the dynamic going to be like for him? He's now working with essentially three new people. He's, you know, he's got Luke Getzey, which is new. Hackett is new. And so is LeFleur. How much, you know... Who do you think he gravitates to the most? Will he gravitate towards his quarterback coach the most and be close like he was with Van Pelt? Or, I mean, where does he go? And how does Rodgers even really begin to start developing these relationships with all three of these new coaches who are going to be instrumental in his performance on the field this year?
5: You know, I thought it was really interesting when Lafleur said that at his presser uh, because all I could think was, does this – Kind of help solidify the entire offseason conversation everyone has had about Aaron Rodgers being difficult to work with. You know, was LaFleur scared of hiring anyone without Rodgers' consent? Or does it then immediately enforce they wanted his approval? Does it contradict that he's difficult to work with if he gave uh, Luke Getze the thumbs up? Um, but then, you know, the more that I thought about it, you know, you are definitely hit right on with the fact that now he's got three new voices, but. You know, Getzey had two previous years of experience in the quarterback's room in his first stint in Green Bay before he moved to wide receivers. So there's a little bit of familiarity there. Um, I think he would respect that all three of them have quarterback experience, um, both playing and developing the position. And I think that to answer who he'll gravitate towards, personally, my thought would be that he and Getzey will reconnect right away. and. Getzey will become that kind of security blanket that Van Pelt was. Um, But we also have to consider that these are guys that are what, five years older than Aaron. So it's not like a McCarthy relationship or a relationship where um, there's a lot of difference there. I mean, Getzey's bringing in a West coast based offense, just like McCarthy ran, or I should say Getzey's familiar with the West coast based offense. So between the three of them, I think there's a lot for Aaron to learn from, but also a lot that he'll respect about the guys that are there. So there shouldn't really be, um, it shouldn't be challenging for him to make those connections.
3: Yeah. I, I would, you would hope not. And you would hope that it all goes well. And, you know, just really just, you know, got to hope that he can make those connections with him and get along with him because whether he likes it or not, he's stuck with him for at least a little while, you'd think. So I want to move on to the the next coach on the staff that, you know, is really kind of, you know, really just interesting to see where this will go. Nathaniel Hackett is the new offensive coordinator for the Packers. He comes over from Jacksonville, which, you know... I hear a lot of the arguments both ways of him coming over from Jacksonville because everybody's like oh well do you really want a Jacksonville Jaguar offensive coordinator you know he couldn't do anything with Blake Bortles you know got him to an AFC championship game probably should have won it but then there's other people that say well you know look what he was working with saying that Blake Bortles isn't that great so it kind of goes both ways you know I don't really know how to feel about him right now I I think he'll be a great offensive coordinator it'll be interesting to see kind of what his how much he brings to the table in the sense that you know we know the floor is going to be calling the plays so what does that mean for him Uh, he talked Monday as well here's he's got some quick comments he was asked what he thinks his role is for the with the Packers take a listen to what he had to say
7: you know, I think it's the whole thing is about supporting Matt. I mean, he's a first-time head coach, and he's going to call the plays. It's his system, and I think the big thing for me is what can I do to help him make his job more efficient? And I think that's what I want to do. That's what I want to be for him. And really it's kind of whatever I can do to make that all easier. And I think that's going to be my goal, to be the best kind of person for him that can be there right for him and make it all just a little bit easier. So I I, I think
3: his his answer was – Great, but then also needs some explanation. So, Maggie, I want to start with you. He said that he felt that his role was to make Lafleur's job easier. But when he says my job is to make Lafleur's job easier, what does that entail? What, what, what does that mean to make his job easier, and how, how does he do that?
5: I think when you look at Hackett, um, something that all fans will be excited about is that run game. And, I mean, in 2017, he had the top-ranked rushing offense in the league with Jacksonville. And he was making that offense explosive, even with Blake Bortles at the quarterback position. So, to me, when I hear him say that his job is to make Matt LaFleur's job easier, I think about LaFleur calling the plays and putting his guys in a position to win and Hackett being the -the behind-the-scenes guy that makes sure those players know how to execute on and off the field. Um, So you look at the relationship that he'll have with Aaron, the relationship that he'll have with Ben Sermons and Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And to me, Hackett really is the driving force behind the offense, kind of getting them in the position that they need to be in. When you consider, you know, the production he got out of Lake Bortles out of Leonard Fournette, even out of Mercedes Lewis with that uh, five touchdowns in a run heavy offense.
3: And so, Paul, when we talk about Hackett coming over from Jacksonville, you know, should Packer fans be more of the optimistic that, you know, the idea that he could only do so much with an offense like Jacksonville's, or should Packer fans be maybe concerned of like, hey, you brought in a guy that, you know, was the coordinator for an offense that, you know, was very inconsistent?
6: Um, Personally, I think fans should be optimistic, and if you guys haven't picked up on it yet, you will. I'm a very optimistic fan, but there's the recency bias of what happened this year. You know, as he got fired halfway through the season, but it's not like he had a ton to work with. You know, we've talked about Blake Bortles. um, Leonard Fournette was injured, or you know, mentally wasn't checked in. Their receiving core was made up of Keelan Cole, Dante Moncrief, Didi Westbrook. Um, you know, not exactly lighting it up. And then in 2017, they're top 10 in points per game, yards per game, rushing yards per game, um, red zone touchdown percentage. So what, to me, when you're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars with Blake Bortles at quarterback, you know what they're going to do. They're going to run the ball. So for him to be able to put up those kind of numbers, not just in the running game, but in the passing game, to me, that shows a lot of creativity within the offense. Cause you have to branch out when you're limited with who you're working with as players. So, I'm excited for him to come in and um just what he can help this offense do.
3: All right. Well, and so speaking of his time in Jacksonville, it's obviously not the same system that Aaron Rodgers is used to. So, Hackett was asked if what type of impact he thought The new system would have on Aaron Rodgers. Here's what he had to say about it.
7: You know, I I think a lot of the same concepts, concepts kind of cross over. I think just kind of the emphasis of some of the things that we want to do um, are going to be different. I mean, when you take a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who's who's a very good football player, I mean, he's kind of one of those guys that could kind of pretty much do a lot of everything. So I think it's, um, I think a lot of it's going to carry over. Um, I think some of the language will be different, but it'll be a lot of the same premises for him. So
3: Maggie, starting with you. Is Aaron Rodgers even worried about learning a new system? I mean, it really, at this point in his career, it, other than, you know, kind of just familiarizing himself with it, is is he worried at all about any of this?
5: I don't think so. And just to kind of circle back quickly, to me, Nathaniel Hackett's press conference was – so engaging, and it made me so excited about the offense. You know, we talked about this energy that all of the coaches are bringing, but when Hackett got up at the podium, there was just something so, you know, you were really drawn to him and what he was saying the entire time, and kind of that energy that he felt he could bring to the entire room, and, you know, as far as Rogers learning a new uh, new scheme, it's still, again, a West Coast-based offense, and Aaron Rodgers is 35 years old. I mean, I know he's been with McCarthy for his whole career, but there's still, you know, he's dealt with new coordinators. He's dealt with uh, new installs in the playbook. So to me, I honestly think he'll be excited to learn all of this because it'll be a change-up from what he's used to. And there was the argument that McCarthy's play calling had gotten a little bit stale. So you've got these energetic, young, offensive-minded coaches that come in and I think Aaron Rodgers is going to see a little bit of a rejuvenation in 2019.
3: And Paul, so, you know, one of the criticisms that Rodgers seemed to have of McCarthy this past year was that, you know, as Maggie kind of alluded to, his play calling got stale. He thought it was very uncreative compared to the what the rest of the league was doing. You know, Hackett is talking about, you know, overlap and you know maybe just a little bit of different terminology but is is Aaron Rodgers going to see things in this offense that they're going to put together I mean what are the odds that he sees something in the playbook that maybe he's seen the rest of the league do but he's never seen himself as far as like actually running those types of plays
6: Um, I think there's a good chance at that I think that um, as it's been talked about McCarthy's offense just stayed you know, very stayed on the same path for the last couple of years and didn't really evolve with the new NFL game that we see. So I think that some of the stuff that Hackett and Lafleur are going to be implementing are going to be excited. Is going to make Rodgers excited. It's going to re-engage him. And I think when you have a reengaged Aaron Rodgers, um, only good things can come from that.
3: Yeah, and you know, I, and I want to ask you both this question here before we move on to special teams, quick. And this could I could be totally wrong on this, but it, it felt like to me that a lot of McCarthy's offense, and you know, one of the things we have to talk about, I feel at least I need to mention now when we talk about McCarthy's offense is you don't know how much of it was McCarthy near the end, and you don't know how much of it was Aaron Rodgers, you know, changing a play. But one of the things I felt really frustrated with with the offense last year was they seem to try to run these deep route concepts, these, these routes that would take you know four or five seconds to develop because they were so deep into the field. Are we going to – I mean, obviously you're going to see deep throws because you, you don't not let a guy like Aaron Rodgers make those throws, but are, are we going to see less of these deep route concepts? Maggie, I'll start with you. Is it going to be shorter, quicker throws for Aaron, or do you expect to see just as many deep looks in the offense?
5: I think, and this might be cheating, but I think a lot of it will come down to what his offensive line looks like. And I'm thinking that a lot of Aaron Rodgers' uh, scrambling in 2018 had to do with his pocket collapsing and his line not being able to protect him fully. So I think LaFleur and Hackett both fully understand, you know, this is a a once-in-a-generational talent. He's got one of the arguably the best arm that the NFL has ever seen. You're going to let him take those shots, but I think he also needs to be coached up to take those checkdowns. Um, Aaron Jones emphasized this offseason that he wanted to become more dynamic in the passing game as well as the running game. So I think there's they're going to try to need or they're going to need to hammer into Rodgers that you know the deep throw is pretty and the deep throw is impressive, but when you're in a third and long situation, sometimes your best option is those checkdowns or those 10-yard plays rather than you know the the seventy five yard bomb to Allison in the end zone.
3: Even even though that looks so nice when it happens, it's lovely. But <laughs> uh, but Paul, I mean, same, same question. Do you, do you think that they'll, they'll they'll continue to run those deep routes as consistently as they seem to
6: have done? Um, I think it'll be at least in the beginning um, with the new playbook. I think it'll be maybe a little bit more of the short to intermediate routes to start. But having Aaron Rodgers under centers like having a Ferrari. Nope. um you give them a chance to go deep and one other thing i wanted to add on hack it was in his press conference and i really liked this he stressed the importance of a fluid system that can adjust to the players um i felt like in the mccarthy system at the end it was very here's what our system is and players came in and out whether that system fit to their strengths or not and i think that hurt the offense quite a bit so it was nice to hear that they're going to have that approach and i know the will bring that as well
3: all right well I want to move on now to another new coaching hire. Um, it was a position that probably outside of head coach was probably the most intriguing hire people that fans wanted to know. That is special teams coordinator Sean Menenga. I, I believe I'm pronouncing his name, his last name correctly. If I'm not, please let me know. And I will get that corrected. But uh, so he obviously, you guys know, he was, you know, special teams was a major concern last year for the Packers. It was awful at times. And that's probably the best way that you could put special teams from last year. Total mess. Uh, so he's probably the most anticipated new coach I would think outside of Lafleur coming in. So I, I, I want to play. So the big thing that Green Bay struggled with last year, it seemed like was penalties on special teams. And he was asked about that. And here was his response to how he's going to clean up penalties on special teams.
6: I think it's the way we, again, from phase one, we're going to talk about our philosophy first, but then as we get into the scheme, we're going to talk about rules, and we'll have rules presentations and the things that the NFL does. And so we'll, we're, we're going to beat them over the head with what the rules are. And then, you know, during practice, as we see things, we have officials out there and, you know, they're calling penalties. So we'll review those things in practice, and when we see in practice we'll get it corrected and obviously get it corrected through the game. So it's an ongoing process. It's not going to happen overnight, I mean. But as you keep presenting situations to guys and showing showing guys what's happening, I think they start understanding it. And, and over the process of time, or over the course of time, I think that those things kind of fix themselves.
3: All right. So he's saying all the right things. And I'm not saying that he's doing it to save face or anything. It's, it's a hard position to be in. But, you know, he, he wants to clean up penalties. Obviously, everybody does. Uh, but... When he, when he says that, you know, we're going to do these things, uh, you know, we're going to bring in rules, we're going to give presentations, we're going to do all these different things, how much of, of that translates to the actual field? Because I, I want to ask you both this because I went through college twice. I have two different degrees. Um, they sit – you sit down in the classroom and, you know – somebody can talk at me for three, four hours in a class and I can absorb literally nothing from it. Uh, So, I mean, when he says that, I mean, is that implementable? Is that something that that can actually be done that will change things? Or is that just kind of like, yeah, gee, this was kind of a major problem last year and obviously, like, you want to hear that we're going to try to clean it up. And so this is kind of almost what I'm forced to tell you. So, Maggie, I want to start with you. Like, where do you what do you make of those comments?
5: Well, I thought it was really eye opening uh, when you hear that the Packers had 26 penalties on special teams this last season, which was their most um, in the decade. Um, and then something I really enjoyed about the presser uh, was that Manenga really broke down kind of what special teams looks like you know, you have your stars on offense and defense, but he kind of took it to a different level. And he said, you know, you've got your 53-man roster, you've got your 46-game day roster, take out your quarterbacks, take out your offensive, defensive linemen, and you're maybe down to about 20 or 25 guys that all need to be cross-trained and know how to fill in in a number of spots. So you think about injuries and what these players have to deal with um, coming in like elevated off the practice squad or as a free agent. And there's a constant need to be educating these guys. And I think about the trick play that they ran earlier this season with Raven Green and the fact that it was normally um, Jermaine Whitehead's job, you know, to fill in that role and take the direct snap, but he had been cut the week before. So immediately there was the need for Raven Green to come in and fill in his place. So to me, when I hear Manenga talking about cross training, you know, he really emphasized be aggressive, but also be intelligent. And, you know, like you said, I've been in those lecture halls where you are getting beat to death with information and you can't retain any of it. But, you know, he talked about from veterans all the way down to rookies in the league, you know, cross training, whether you're a starting corner or a practice squad elevation the day before the game. You know these guys have to be ready to fill in because the the talent and the miscues that they had on special teams just won't cut it in the NFL.
3: And you know, Maggie, that's a great point. And Paul, I want to I want to get your thought on this because Maggie, as you were talking there, it, it made me think. And I, I admit I'm just as guilty of this. You were talking about the cross training for players. It, it, Paul, is, do you think fans kind of get this mindset that outside of maybe kicker and punter, like playing special teams can't really be all that difficult because all you're really doing is trying to run down and make a tackle. And when in reality, it's actually a lot harder than it would seem. And it's it's more important than... Because, I mean, really, and maybe, again, this is just me, but I think a lot of times when people think of special teams, they think, okay, can your punter, you know, punt the other team deep, and can your kicker make field goals? And I feel like a lot of times fans neglect, you know, gunners and just people in general, you know, blocking on returns, blocking on punts, you know, making those open field tackles. You know, do is there maybe a sense that sometimes players and coaches think that special teams is just kind of a combination of football and therefore you don't have to do – you know maybe you don't have to work on it as much so some players come in and think well you know I play defense and I know how to tackle people so there's not a whole lot that I have to learn on special teams.
6: Yeah I think from the fans perspective I think it's more of an it's more of an unknown or not thought about rather than thinking oh this is easy um, and that aspect of it but the players I mean the bottom third of the roster they're on that team because of the special teams. So I think it is taken seriously um, within the locker room. And I think what Manenga wants to implement with, um, in his terms, you know, beating them over the head with rules presentations, using special teams to our advantage, I think that's fantastic. But when it comes down to it, players got to make plays. Um, what I don't want to see is what we saw this year, where it was the same mistakes over and over again that falls back on coaching. So if the special teams, you know, does start out slow this year, I think that we just want to keep seeing progress made each week and we'll know that what he's teaching and implementing is actually taking effect.
5: I wanted to add one more thing really quickly too. Um, In his press conference, Menenga talked about how it was a really big deal to dedicate a third staffer to special teams. Mm -hmm. You know, he now has two assistants, that give them that additional resource as far as coaching and kind of seeing the whole field or seeing the plays develop. Um, And I know that in the past, you know, there were only really uh, Zook and his one assistant coordinator. So you can tell that special teams is a big emphasis this off season, given the fact that there are now two assistants on the field to ensure that special teams is going to improve. You have the assistant special teams coach, and then you also have quality control.
3: All right, well, guys, before we move on to a a quick other aside on coaching, I want to get your guys' take. So the only uh, of the what you would call the four major coaches, head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, special teams coach, three of them are new this year. So of the four main coaches, who do you think has the most to prove this year? Who do you think – Really needs to show that you know that that they that they are that they're going to be good at their job and that you can trust them to really do that job well. And Maggie, we'll start with you. Who do you think has the most pressure on them this year?
5: I feel like the the answer has to be Matt Lafleur. Mike Patton gets to come in and develop year two with a lot of his guys. You know, he's got his same key players coming back. He's got Kenny Clark. He's got. Jair Alexander. So he's got young playmakers in very important positions that he gets to build on. Um, if special teams improves at all, that's a win for the Packers. So to me, Matt LaFleur's got that task of coming in and taking a team that's a perennial playoff contender, has now missed the postseason in two consecutive years and trying to write that ship because otherwise, you know, fans and pundits and whoever else Aaron Rodgers, like I said earlier, is 35, so he maybe has five, six years max before he retires and that that Super Bowl window is closing, so the pressure will be on him, I think, more so than anyone to ensure that he gets the Packers back to winning ways and gives Rodgers a shot at a second ring.
3: Paul, who, who would be your pick?
6: Um, I would have to agree. I mean, he was a little bit of the under-the-radar hire. He's come in, he's cleaned house as far as coaching staff goes. He's put together a relatively young staff, um, which some people are questioning. I, I like it quite a bit. i um, wondering how he's going to get along with Aaron Rodgers, but this is the Green Bay Packers. He's got Aaron Rodgers on center. Regardless of whether it's your first year as a head coach, you're expected, you're expected to win here. So he's going to have the most pressure of the four.
3: All right, and quickly before we wrap up here today, guys, we mentioned that the Packers have uh, – Rounded out their coaching staff. Uh, Kevin Cogger and Jason Vrabel were both hired uh, late last week. Uh, Kevin is the offensive quality control coach, and uh, Jason is the offensive assistant. And they also um, made Chris Gizzy the strength and conditioning coordinator. Just some quick thoughts on that. Um, If there's really any... If if you're just kind of a base-level fan, right, not kind of what you guys do, which is really look deep into everything, is there anything to know about any of these three and and, and the impact they might have on the team?
5: Um, I just thought it was, you know, if you look at definition of being a team player, the strength and conditioning core has stayed the same. There's the same four guys that have always been there, and – I know that Packer fans preach every off season about fire the strength and conditioning coordinator. There's too many injuries, you know, whatever. The, that's the easy line to say as a fan when you're not looking deep into what these injuries are. Um, but Mark Levatt stepped down, you know, as the strength and conditioning coordinator and actually approached LaFleur about Chris Gizzy taking over in that role. So just his willingness to do that and give someone else a shot in a lead role to me, it says a lot about the character of the room and how dedicated these four guys are to ensuring the success of their players. Paul, any thoughts on these guys?
6: Um, no, I agree with Maggie quite a bit. And then, you know, fans will remember Chris Gizzy was the Packers player, ran the American flag out onto the field back after uh, back in September of 2001. So awesome moment and good to have him back in the organization.
3: All right, well, guys, we are out of time for the day here Maggie Paul. great job once again. This is only your second podcast being full time here. you guys are doing you guys are bringing some great stuff. You guys are even bringing stuff in that I didn't even know about, uh, especially I got I got I to hand it to you, Paul, when we were talking about Hackett and you were just talking about the offensive players he had back in 2017. And I was like, well, I mean, you know, I wouldn't have had any inclination to think about that, but you guys are doing great. We're glad to have you here. Uh, Maggie, if people want to follow your work, how can they do that?
5: I am on Twitter at Maggie Lawler, L-A-W-L-E-R. And I also write for the Lombardi Lounge at Lombardi underscore lounge. And,
6: Paul, how can people follow you? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettel, B-R-E-T-L, and you can find all my work at Dairyland Express, and we're on Twitter at Dairyland Express.
3: All right, awesome. And you guys can always follow me at Sportschmitty on Twitter. Make sure to check out Steve, Dusty, and Sarah tomorrow for their podcast. I do not know what they'll be talking about, but make sure to tune in for it anyway. Next time we are on, it'll be right before – free agency starts, so I'm sure we'll be talking about quite a bit of free agency stuff in a couple of weeks here with you guys so thank you once again so much for listening guys, make sure to follow the Pack-A-Day podcast on Twitter and make sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast site, and as always, go pack 3rd and
2: six, trailing 30-23 to 23, two minutes straight up to go in the game San Francisco showing a blitz through the A-gap, and here they come, Rodgers looking throws left side of the end, Yes! Yes! Devontae Adams, left corner of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers. 16-yard touchdown pass. The to Packers an extra point away from getting this game tied. Beathard on third down and three in the shotgun. Football to the 46 at Green Bay. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Beathard looking. As he throws it, deep down the right sideline. And it's intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Sandra Rogers looking right. Throws the right side, thing Brown makes the 38-bounds! Nice, oh, he reached back to gather it and in, in. Using all six five of his frame. Tumbled out of bounds. Inside the 30 at the 28-yard line. Snap to Rogers. Looking downfield. Throws the left side. To the face, got it out of bounds. Inside the Goodness, what a throw and catch! Again they beat Maven down the left sideline. Hunter Bradley the snap. JK Scott down on one knee, arm extended. Here it is. Placement made. Kick is up. It is good! It is good! Yes. Yes, Mason, Mason Crosby Crosby. delivers the there dagger! One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight! And the Packers win 33-30.